Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We're a little under two-thirds of the way through. We, we stopped in Gardens of the Moon. We stopped at part five. So we've read through part four and are stopped at part five. Uh, on my Kindle, it's like 63%, but it seemed like a good stopping point. Yeah, a lot of action, a lot of intensity going on. But before we jump into it, Luke, I want to get us a little bit of a warm-up because there's something that I see that I feel like is a little bit weird, but nobody talks about it. So you know the like the 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 trope in a in a movie or a cartoon where the character's gotta make a choice and then like the devil pops up on the character's shoulder and then an angel pops up on the other shoulder and they're like arguing back and forth. Mm, sure. Yeah. Like again, maybe I'm missing something. Why do we need an angel to pop up? Shouldn't that just be like, yeah, this character's like kind of a good guy. Maybe they're being tempted by something. But like, they don't need an external voice to be like, hey, you really should um, not steal that baby's candy. And in fact, call its mom back over because its mom is walking <laughs> away right now from the baby. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, first off, let's let's do, if you're, if you're new to the show, we're, we're doing a little warm up unrelated to the book. Check check the description uh, to see to see where to skip to if you don't want to. But I think that this is, I, I don't think that you're necessarily missing something. But I will offer a defense, mm. which is, I feel like the angel is usually like, also unrealistic, on mm. the other side of the spectrum. So like obviously you get the devil on one shoulder, and it's like. It's this is usually a comedy thing, right? So right. it's like usually something funny in a really bad way, and then the angel I feel like is always really like wimpy and <laughs> like ordering milk at a bar kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's not like your normal self. Okay, you're saying the angel is just a big pushover, and we should never listen to the angel. Well, I feel like the. The comedy routine always portrays them as such. Mm. Instead okay. of going for pure, just like good person, they go like kind of kind of a noob. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay, that could be fair. That could be fair. I just every time I picture it, that kind of a scene in my head, and maybe like I said, maybe I was missing the comedy there. But it's just kind of like, why do we need a good one to be saying to just do something nice to someone? Uh, like why do we have to portray people as like just neutral just like open to the whims of whatever wind pushes them in a good or a bad direction right that seems like a bad guy that you would hope that the person would be on the on the right end of that spectrum rather than like in the middle right you would hope that the person wouldn't need like a lot of convincing to be like oh yeah that like selfish option maybe i shouldn't do that one yeah, actually, now that I think about this, it should be just the bad one. Right? Otherwise, that character is like, oh, so this character is kind of a shitty person then, right? Right, because the bad one should be like the tempting one that's like trying to get you to do something bad. Whereas you yourself are like, are, yeah, no, I agree with you, actually, now that I'm now that I've gotten here. 100%. This is what I mean. It's like, sh- shouldn't we expect our characters to be inherently, like, good and, like, trying to do the right thing and honorable and not just, like, open to whatever? Right. Right. Well, it's also, like, I've not... The person shouldn't be just a random observer of the, like, argument and making a ruling. I feel like right. I feel like the person judge. should be one side of the argument that is being swayed by the other side. Right, and like here's the thing: I could imagine there are certain characters where maybe just like an angel pops up. Right, maybe there's like a like an antagonist that it just has an angel popping up, being like, "Hey, you shouldn't you shouldn't try and cut James Bond's balls off because that's really uncool mm. of you." And, right. you know, he probably wouldn't like that very much. 
And then the Bond villain is like, yeah, but I really just hate James Bond. So I'm going to try and cut off his balls and wiener. <laughs> and I get it that you don't you don't think it's a good idea. But I, as a character, that's just who I am. So like I've weighed the pros and cons and this is coming out positive for me. Right. And so I think having one or the other makes sense because like certain characters are just that kind of dude. But having both, it makes it seem like you're, a, yeah, like you said, you're a judge and you have to pick between the devil and the angel. And it's like, who are you in that situation? Where is your right. existence? It's, it's tough. Take, take note, whoever's get, writing these. Get rid of one of them. Things. Yeah, you convinced me because I was, I was actually, I wasn't there at first. But, but no, I'm glad you bring that up. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, good little, good, we're warmed up now, I think. I think uh, we're warmed is, up. The, we should also say a little bit of fantasy news, perhaps, before ooh, we yeah. jump into the book. The Broken Earth trilogy from N.K. Jemisin seems like they are going to be turning it into a film series. Hmm? Yeah, got some uh, got some movie news coming out recently. Uh, we've done, remember, we've done two of those books. Covered them on the show. Hopefully everyone uh, is excited for those movies to come out. I'm assuming long in the future, but I'm hearing good things. Mm-hmm. Got mm-hmm. my got my ears to the ground. Is that the phrase? Ear to the ground? Yeah, that sounds right. Ear to the ground. Yeah, I know I'm here. I, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited for it. Um, great books. Mm. Outstanding books. Speaking of outstanding books, Luke, let's get into gardens of the moon huh (laughs) yeah gardens of the moon outstanding books so far again up to part five and i want to start with something small okay sure marilio not positive that's how it's pronounced yeah yeah, that sounds right is hot and i'm excited for us to get like one of our characters just to be a smoke show so i don't (laughs) When you say Marilio is hot, you're basing this solely on the description or like how he's acting because this is a book, right? There's no pictures in here. How are, I don't to, even think that I don't even think that he's visually described. I have yet um, to hear him. Yeah, I don't think so. But like all the court ladies are going for Marilio. Mm-hmm. And what's he got go he's just he's not like a noble, which leads me to believe just really hot. Okay. Right. Interesting. Because okay, they're they're on this they're on this one scheme right now that we hear a little bit about where he's seducing one of these council councilmen's wives. Yeah. This hold on because we can't just say it's any councilman's wife. This is councilman Orr's wife that we're right. talking about. And councilman Orr, I have before we get into your note about how hot Marilio is, <laughs> councilman Orr seems to be the like top dog. In this whole group. He, he definitely seems like one of the big boys among the council members. So in terms of boldness, like, you could have gotten an invitation from, like, a lot of people, I feel like. And you went for Councilman or as a wife, Marilio. Damn. Damn. That's very bold. And then, and then we hear a little bit more where Marilio's like, yeah, normally I don't do adultery he's he's really hot i think because like he's he's not i don't really know what else he's got going for him maybe he's just like got great game Mm, like he's very funny and charming and witty yeah which i'm assuming is also part of it but it's gotta be does it it seems like this is just a genre of job that a certain person has in some fantasy books and like historical fiction you know what I mean? Like, he seems like his job is just sleeping with women and, like, being fancy. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I don't know what he does to make money, but the things that I know about him are he dresses well, he has money, and he likes sleeping with women. And he's right. good at those things. Right. Because if, unless we missed it, I don't remember hearing, like, a profession from Morelia. Because, like, the other ones we got... Ralph Knob's an assassin. Crocus is a thief. 
drunk guy used to be rich and is down on his luck a little bit. Marilio, it's like, I don't know, he's like hot and sleeps with the powerful like widows or something like that. Right. And he's not he's not a prostitute, right? Like no one's paying him to do this. It's all like fun, fancy free, free love summer. But like where is the money coming from, Marilio? I feel like it's just like a lot of sh- a lot of sugar mamas going on. <laughs> Ooh. He does mention that it's like all widows. Like he prefers to to like flirt with widows and have little trysts with widows, which right. would make sense if they're right. all foot in the bill. Which I assume that they are. I don't think that he's like down in this tavern chopping potatoes in the mornings or anything like that. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Do you think he's kind of hyped then about the coming war? He's like, hey. Wait, hyped? Yeah, hyped like, hey. Uh, as long as I don't get enlisted, there's going to be plenty of widows to choose from. <laughs> more, just more widows for Morelio. Great for business. Maybe. Um, Maybe we've got a little double agent here that we, we've never even considered <laughs> with Morelio. It seems like business for this kind of role is booming in this world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Well... Yeah, considering the candle lady that we heard about in part one, right? It's got to be good. Business has got to be good. But you're so you're saying he's just so hot that maybe, but like again, we've talked about a hot character in a book before, and the route we always go is like, why aren't they doing something with their hotness aside from just sleeping with a bunch of people, like? I feel like if I'm an assassin and a thief and a drunk guy and a wizard dude, I don't want to hang out with, like, the hottest guy of all time because it draws too much attention. But granted, they're not really that, ooh. They don't really care well, that okay, much, you say though. it draws too much attention. Ralek is over here, like, intentionally being Yeah, he's flaunting his stuff. Okay, forget it. Yeah, he's hot. He's a total smoke show. Uh, what kind of, okay, what kind of hot do you think he is, though? Right. Because there's like built hot where he just like works out. He's got a very he's got a great bod. And then there's like Mm. modeling hot where he's just like was born with the face. Okay, maybe he moisturizes. I think. Okay, so I I definitely think from on that spectrum, definitely the second one, because I feel like he's not a he's not a gym rat. Mm -hmm. I I'm going to propose a third and go. He's vibes hot. He's just got like really hot vibes. You know what I mean? Ooh. Yes, 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 yes. He's so yeah, he might not be like objectively the most attractive person. Yes. Like if you saw a picture of him compared to like someone else, you might find somebody that's hotter in the city that just like objectively from the look is hot. But the vibes he's putting out take him up to like a 12 out of 10. That's so true. That's also true because (laughs) like when we hear about his like skill set, Right, he doesn't want to duel anybody, but he sounds confident he could take anybody mm. in a duel. Yeah, Ralik says that he's an adept, which in this case means like really good, I guess. But he's not—he's not bragging about it. It's just like part of him. Right, like great vibes. It's ooh, it's the vibes. Yes, that's got to be it. That's—I'm going to say that's a majority of what he's putting out as his hot. His hot factor are the vibes for sure, for sure. Speaking of someone else who's putting out vibes, this noble lady. Okay, so Crocus steals a bunch of stuff from this noble lady, and he gets a glimpse of her half naked, which is kind of like, dude, that's kind of uncool. It's a little bit, you know, non-consensual, but whatever. Uh, And then feels really bad about it and is like, I'm going to take all this stuff back because I I can't believe I just violated that woman's space and like took all her stuff. That's terrible. This Crocus is like the worst thief of all time, right? <laughs> like because he's returning it, you mean? He has no reason 
to feel bad about stealing from this person aside from the fact that she was pretty and he's like enamored by her prettiness she didn't say a damn thing to him he has no idea what she's like her personality at all he saw her boobies through a like four poster bed curtain and was like wow she is pretty hot all right time to go (laughs) Right. This is this is a hundred percent. So Crocus is like a teenager, right? Yeah. A hundred percent teenager saw a hot girl because he. You're right. Like, there's not really a difference other than that for his other thieving escapades. No. No. And he's even he even makes the comment when he's doing it when he sees her bare chested. He's like, I have been to the whorehouses a few times, so this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> so it's like, what are we even, is she that attractive just from the look that you're like, that's all I, that's all it takes for me to want to give back a lot of money to her. Right. And put myself at severe risk doing it. He doesn't just drop it off, right? He doesn't just leave it tied in a bow on their front door anonymously. He goes into the room to draw, to right. drop it off. Yeah, and pl- okay, so I don't want to get too far into th- this part of it, but like if we- so she's just hot. I'm assuming he's seen other hot people before. Marilio, um, he he knows Marilio <laughs> very he well. He knows he knows Marilio. I was going to say maybe he's getting like a a vibe, right? We just did vibes. I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up. No, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But she was asleep. Right. You know what I mean? So like maybe he saw on a poster like, hey, I love that show, too. She's into a band that he really likes. Yeah, that's maybe what it is. Okay, my problem with this is that it just seems like he's too willing to, like, give her the benefit of the doubt. She could be a terrible person. Like, it could mm-hmm. be totally justified that he's stealing all this shit from her. She could have been, like... She- she could have been tired that day from beating us like a servant in her house. And she was like, oh, man, I'm so worn out from beating Melissa, my my whipping girl, that I'm going to just I got to really take a long nap. And so I'm I'm out. I'm just super tired from that day of of beating my servants. And he sees her asleep and is like, I, I feel bad for taking stuff from her. Right. It's going to be rough a year from now when he's gone through all this education and he's like a fancy boy and meets her. They go on a couple of dates and he learns that she like, I don't know, eats tacos with a fork or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be really bad. Or maybe they just like they have extremely different political opinions. Just irreconcilably different to where like, sure, maybe you can talk with this person for five minutes. But then as soon as the conversation veers into anything substantial, it's like, oh, you're crazy. I can't do this. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that's going to be really rough for Crocus. But I think it's going to be a good lesson for him. A great lesson. Uh, Crocus after Crocus is learning a lot of lessons here. Let's to just just to stay on this little group. I don't have a very specific note about Krupp, but he's the most powerful person ever, right? Ooh, you're saying ever. Okay, obviously not ever, so I'm exaggerating, but I'm getting the vibes where like obviously everyone's like, "Oh, he's probably a little bit more powerful than he seems." He's it's he's like having casual conversations with this like elder god. Yeah, but like I feel like a lot of our characters have had pretty casual interactions with the gods. Yeah, but they're like here. buddies it seems. Well, yes, but I okay, I will say one, this elder god seems to be like washed up. This elder okay. god seems to not really be at the height of his power. And so I'm not as impressed as if Krupp like, in my mind, Quick Ben is way cool, like more powerful and cool than Krupp. Quick Ben walks into the lion's den at Shadow Throne right. and is like, hey, make this deal with me. And then he makes the deal and he's like, psych, I was that dude you thought. Bye. Right, right. Okay, yeah, we, okay, we, we gotta, we, we're gonna talk about Quick Ben. Yes. And I agree that Quick Ben is, is 
crushing it. I just think, and we should say this again since we waited too long last episode. Both both of us have read this book, but don't remember a ton of it. So predictions that I make are like come with a caveat because I've read it before, but I'm not going to like make predictions based on something that I already know. With that being said, Krupp's doing some little things that makes me think that he's even more powerful than like the people that are already know that they're underestimating him. Like his little walkthrough where he steals a bunch of things while doing a little dance and throwing some spells around. Very impressive. Pretty cool. Um, He also just like notices everything, right? Like sorry is in here doing a bunch of stuff and he's like goes through this list of being like, yeah, I saw freaking everything that she did. Okay. I think I think you're right. I I find it hilarious that you thought his little pickpocketing dance he did to get a bunch of sweets was a sign of power. Well, I, granted, dope. he's clearly demonstrating that he is more powerful than he's letting on. But also, that I can't imagine that takes a lot of magical ability to do. Quick Ben, all, all the other wizards we've seen do way more cool stuff than just like snag a donut hole off of a cart as they're walking by so like i don't know why that's the example you chose (laughs) no but he was doing i think it was said maybe i misread it that he was doing this thieving to distract to distract from the like hand movements that he needs for other spells that were doing other things maybe i thought that he was just doing spells to like snag a baklava or you know, I thought he was just snagging snagging stuff with the spells. Maybe so. I mean, I still think that that's impressive, but I get your point. <laughs> Regardless, we have not fully understood how powerful Krupp is, though. I I feel like if he was super powerful, he might be the one, like, in charge. It sounds like Baruch is the one that's more in charge of everything. Granted, Krupp is very obviously hiding how powerful he is, so maybe that's why he's not in charge, as he's it's more valuable to hide it. But he is talking to an elder god, and they seem to be chill. So maybe. I'll say maybe. Okay. Somebody somebody that's not really hiding their position very well. This is a very minor character, but I think this is important. There is a jeweler in the, like, gold area, and this jeweler's name is Kroot, and Kroot is kind of in charge of, like, keeping a hatch for, I think, the assassins to go through into this tower to have a meeting. I think Ralic is going through there, if I'm... I think uh, Ralic and Marilio meet. Yes, Marilio goes through there and meets Ralic in there. Kroot runs this, like, front that's a jewelry stand it's all fake but the man has blackened stubs for teeth if i'm running a jewelry store first off you're not going to get away with having terrible teeth no one's coming to your jewelry store or even believing that it's real at that point like you're getting audited tomorrow and so the obvious the obvious way to cover this up, you're getting grills day one. Yeah. If if you have bad teeth as a jeweler and you're not replacing them with gold, you're not a real jeweler. Right. It's obvious. It's or like goldsmith or whatever they're called. It's this. too obvious for you to be like, yeah, I've got really bad teeth and look at all this bad jewelry. Come into my shop. It's real. Unless he spins it where like, well... I was going to say like, yeah, I chose obsidian instead of gold as my tooth replacement. But if he's pull, if his teeth look like obsidian, that's insane. Um, the, the, so I have two notes on this moment, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Number one, why are Marilio and Relic like going through this dance to meet here? Like you guys are buddies and hang out at the bar every day. I, I, maybe there's a good reason. I may have missed why they made up met up at the like spook yard, but yeah, maybe it, it was like just like could... a convenient space that was like out of the way. It does seem very weird though, because they're like they don't need to pretend like they're not friends. They don't need to pretend like they don't know each other. 
because everybody right. knows they know each other and they hang out all the time. So just like go in a a back alley somewhere and talk there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It maybe Marilio <laughs> would just like wanted to see the cool secrets that the assassins had and he was like, "Hey, Ralic, uh, is there somewhere private we can meet? Uh I got to I got to tell you something, but uh ooh, it's his this is a top secret. So if you got anywhere cool that's secret to let me know about, I'd love to meet you there. Right. Like maybe this was actually Marilio has been hinting for a while that he wants to see this place. And Ralic is like, hey, buddy, tonight's the night. I'll show you. <laughs> you get those tickets and I'll take you wherever you want to go, Marilio. <laughs> a little treat. You get to see the ghost, the ghosts. They're cool. Um, my other note on this is just like, how many goldsmiths do we need? Uh, you know, it... there seemed like too many. There's also a little something that I missed that I wanted to bring up last episode. The very opening scene of this book, when I think it's Whiskey Jack, young Whiskey Jack is talking to kid Peron. Yes. And he's like, don't be a soldier. And Peron's like, the world doesn't need any more wine merchants. And there's like, oh, good point. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Oh, you're saying the world you does You should be a wine more. merchant. Like, <laughs> oh, the world doesn't need more wine merchants, but it needs more soldiers. What are you talking about? Everybody loves wine. Nobody loves getting murdered. <laughs> Let's increase the ratio of wine merchant to soldier and the world's a better place. Right. Let's just get everybody's getting hammered. And they're loving it. No one's getting stabbed. It's great. It's great. The, I think the problem with that, Luke, is it like flies in the face of Whiskey Jack's whole deal, right? Like he's not going to admit, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We don't really need. We don't really need any more soldiers because he's like it. He that's like his whole deal, and so he's not going to make himself obsolete. Yeah, but like, if he's just talking to this kid in this circumstance and like the, he's trying to get him to not be a soldier. I'm sorry right. that we're taking, I'm taking you so far back. Um, and the, in prom, I don't know. I just feel like when the, when Pran is saying that the world doesn't need more wine merchants, you say like, of course it does always need more wine merchants. Well, and then it's like, sure. That is one path open to you. That's not, those are our two choices here of what you could do ever in your life. Like, sure, your family does wine. That's their business. Your family doesn't do soldier. So you're already going to be going against them if you're going to be a soldier. Do whatever else you want. Well, use bookstore. You're a, a carpenter. Hmm? <laughs> I love that we're just throwing out businesses. <laughs> I Peron just needed a better role model in his life. Sure. Yeah. Apparently, Goldsmith. Can't get enough of those. <laughs> always 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 need more of those apparently. Um okay, let's let's move on from our our small group. And okay, since you mentioned Quick Ben, I'll I'll take us to him. I don't know if this was a literal term. Um, but when Shadow Throne realizes who he is, he calls Quick Ben a shapeshifter. Yes. I'm going to assume that that means that Quick Ben is capable of changing what he looks like. Mm. Do you think that that's a fair assumption? So here's my only sticking point. I want to say yes. My sticking point is he, I, do you have to have your own body in the, like, the Warren? Like, can you change what you look like in a warren but not your physical body? Do you know what I mean? I I do. I but I feel like I feel like you be... can't do that because the puppet is walking around all over the place in the warren and doesn't right. say that he changes his shape to be anything else. So I feel like yes, Quick Ben can change what he looks like. Okay. I'm going to take us to a segment that I feel like we do whenever we we get a shapeshifter in our books, which is who else in this story has actually been Quick Ben? 
Um, the issue is though that I tried to think about it. I couldn't think of anyone that I thought like would be, could be quick bit. You know what I mean? Oh, this is a good point that I hadn't considered a whole lot. So we have a little bit of background for Quick Ben and where he came from. We also know that mages can use warrens to travel long distances quickly. Mm-hmm. Is right. So Quick Ben could be Talk the Younger. I honestly, that was one of the ones that I was going to. It could be Talk the Younger, although I don't feel like that quite fits. I can't really put him anywhere else, though. Yeah. So I think I think we keep an eye out for who else is Quick Ben in this story. We definitely keep an mm-hmm. eye out for it. It would be wild if Quick Ben was also sorry. You know? <laughs> We've seen them at the together at the same time. Yeah, that's why it would be crazy, right? <laughs> it would be it would be pretty crazy you're not wrong uh regardless let's keep an eye out for who is quick ben who else yeah. is quick ben in the story could be a lot of people frankly anybody we don't see at <laughs> the same ben time with quick ben or even that we do see at the same time with quick ben could be could be um i think so we did talk a little bit about how powerful quick ben was and Mm-hmm. I would maintain Quick Ben seems to be the most powerful of our magic users that we've seen so far. Maybe barring Rake. Mm-hmm. Rake seems to be the top. But like... Rake. I'm assuming Kaladin Brood, but he was only for like a couple pages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is also up there. And this is kind of... I feel like Piran and Quick Ben will get along so well. Because they both do the thing where they go in the thick of it with somebody that's really powerful and they just kind of insult them to their face and then get away with it, you know? Right. I love that for Quick Ben. <laughs> it, it was good. Uh, yeah, another example, he and Peron both have great swag when when interacting with a, a god or an mm-hmm. ascendant. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I feel like they're going to be good friends. If they ever meet up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Is Quick Ben? Oh, Is Quick no. Ben Peron? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Of course not. Um, but maybe. But maybe. But maybe. Um, no, I think that you're right. Quick Ben is... So the I feel like the people that we would compare him to would be like Tayshrin and Tattersail and... Uh, the puppet guy, I forget his name. Yes. I would agree that Quick Ben seems like the top, but mm-hmm. he's kind of like pretending like he's not. Yeah, that's the thing right now. There's not a clear ranking that we've gotten yet mm-hmm. of power. There's a lot of people concealing power. There's not a clear ranking. I I'm, I don't remember if we get a mage fight or not, where they just all get together in a room and, and we see who's the most powerful. I don't think we do but I don't remember. It would be nice. It would be convenient is what I'm saying. It'd be convenient to get them all in a room and say, we're doing a tournament. We just got to know who's the most powerful. Double elimination tournament. Exactly. Exactly. And then you just figure it out and then we can have that ranking, that ranking figured out. But on to something that's completely different. Okay. The Maranth. They do their hour Mm -hmm. of blood in the pale. And we're a little bit off put by that last episode. This section, one of the Maranth is talking to, I think, Whiskey Jack. And they're saying how, oh, yeah, we we paid them back equally. You know, it was, you know, 18,000 of ours. And so we took 18,000 of theirs. And that's fair. That's fair is fair. No. Why is Whiskey Jack <laughs> believing him? Why is Whiskey Jack like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, I'm not as appalled by what you did now because it was, you know, that sounds about right. What? So much of this is just wrong. So much of this just doesn't make sense. The first off being, how are you keeping track? Right. Is well, it Okay, first off, can you remind me of how they got to that, like, 18,000 number? They didn't say. They were just okay. like, they were just like, when we did the hour... 18,000 
was the Maranth dead. So that's how many we took from Pale. And I was, I think it was like implied that that was how many they had lost from conflict with Pale. And so right. they were paying them back. Like, yeah, that's, it's still not. Are there half, do you count half numbers in there? Like, yeah, Pale took some of our food this winter. So one of our people <laughs> starved. Uh, I'm going to count it. I'm counting it as one. <laughs> Put it on the board. You're like, how are you counting it? What do, What do you mean you have a number where you can attribute responsibility to Pale directly for these people dying? Right. It's it's bad. It doesn't help. Their description does not help at all. I we were I think we were completely justified in in criticizing them last episode. Um, and it's also like Pale was just under siege for like three years and lost a battle. Like, can we not count some of those? Right. Like, what about time served, y'all? Let's give them some time served, please. Some some parts from the mountain came down and crushed like half the city. That's got to be that's got to be a few. Right. Right. Um also, like this feels like something where they just said it after the fact. Like it's mm. it's it's something that you cannot verify at all. There is no way Whiskey Jack can verify this number. And so somebody could just have said, "Hey, how many people did we kill in that hour?" Oh, we killed 18,000 people. Okay, first off, that's a lot. <laughs> Maybe we it should have. Maybe we should have toned it down a little bit because eighteen thousand in an hour was a lot for us to do. And I could be getting the number a little bit off in my head, but I think it was over ten thousand. Regardless, I'm just saying that's the right number. After it's over, I'm just gonna say however many we killed in pale. That was that was it. That was the number they owed us, and I'm just gonna tell everybody that was the one. Yeah, I think that there's a there's a pretty good chance that's what happened. I also this might be somewhat dark, but we're already here. The let's let's assume that they had this number, right? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we gotta get in there and our number is like eighteen thousand three hundred and seventy or whatever the number is. We've got an hour. <laughs> They're training for this. How are they coordinating this? Yeah, I know. How are you making sure you don't go over? It's tough. Honestly, if this is the case, I'm scared of these guys, not necessarily strictly because they're like stone cold murderers, but because of their like organization. Yeah, their logistical planning is outstanding if they can get this to the person. If you can just go into an unknown city with an hour and kill a specific amount of people that's like 18,000 and something, impressive. I'll give it to you. Threatening. Horrible, but impressive. <laughs> Very true. Very true, Luke. This is wild. This is wild. Uh, and I think it, it does the opposite of what they were trying to do, where they were trying to reassure Whiskey Jack, like, don't worry, we're cool. And in <laughs> fact, we should be more horrified than before of the Maranth. <laughs> so if you're Whiskey Jack and these guys are like, hey, man, you're awesome. We'll do anything you need. I got you. I got to be second guessing my past decisions a little bit if these psychos are on my side. Right. Like maybe at least have one thought where you're like, am I the bad guy here? (laughs) Maybe. Could be. Okay. Speaking of other like other groups of people, we got to talk about the Talon Imas. Something like that. Yeah, that the sounds old right. boys. Yeah, these guys are living three hundred thousand years, and they're they're not human. Mm-hmm. So maybe their like time passes a little bit differently from for them. But what are you doing? <laughs> what are you up to? I gotta know. You mean because like people have kind of taken over? So where where are they? Why haven't they? No, what do you mean? I'm I'm specifically asking like, what are you doing literally for okay. three hundred thousand years? Okay, interesting. interesting. It's too long. It's too long. <laughs> are we napping for uh, most of this? Well, it it sounds like or the like one that we, we met has been napping for a while. Right. 
Or we maybe we're perfecting the blade. I feel like you can do that in like a hundred years, though. I agree. Like, okay, I think this is actually such a, an outstanding question to raise because I think it's hard for a lot of people, myself included, to picture what that amount of time looks like. Like, especially when you think about geological timescales, right? Like things happen on the earth in like millions of years on that timescale. And that's just like too big to comprehend. Like 300,000 years is enough to witness like evolution happening in a serious way. It's enough to be like, there weren't dinosaurs when I was born and now there are dinosaurs out running around. Right. That might be a it's, little bit optimistic, also... but it like it's it's like a huge time scale. Like it's 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 unfathomable how long of time that is. Right. I'm also kind of impressed with his ability. We've only like talked to well, I guess two, but really one in person. Like his ability to genuinely communicate with real people at this point because like if you've been alive for 300,000 years your thoughts have to move in such different ways than mine do well i imagine a lot of conversations have just got to be so tedious because you you've just had that conversation at least three or four times in your life you know it's like imagine playing a game of chess against somebody who's never played before and you've played for like thousands of years and you're just like come on just make them we all know what the moves are just please just make the moves <laughs> and you're like making all the moves instantly because you're like yeah i know i know how this goes i know how this goes please just hurry it up right it's it's a lot it's a lot i'm assuming that he's sleeping for a lot of it he's gotta be i just wonder why why are we going that long i feel like at a certain point you do it all you know, at a certain point, there's nothing else related to talk about anymore, and it's time to go. It's like, yeah. hey, you see that mountain over there? It wasn't there 100,000 years ago. Pretty crazy, huh? And it's like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, hey, Malazan Empire, you're like been around for 100 years and want me to like help you out with something? I don't care. No, thank you. You know, the, the Shmalazan Empire was around like 100,000 years ago. I did that whole thing. Wasn't really that fun at the end of the day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out this time. Well, okay. Now I'm coming back around, though. You know how some people will just like rewatch The Office consistently? Mm -hmm. Like The Office will just be constantly playing wherever they are. Right. Maybe some of these people are just like that, where they're just like, it's like a comfort thing, you know? It's like, you know, I've gone on this quest five or six times before, but it's just nice. It's just like comforting. It's it's a nice routine. So Every time I notice a new detail and it's fun. Yeah, maybe. Right. Like, oh, the adjunct is a girl this time. Wow. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, you got to start to appreciate the little things when you're 300,000 years old. Yeah, yeah, Luke. So maybe that's, we've just got like the most sensitive, poetic Talani Moss here, who's just like enjoying every day, you know, living in the present. <laughs> He's like looking at the sunset, you know, it never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the one who's like, I just got to shake things up. What if when she woke up, I just had my sword aimed at her throat? <laughs> how crazy would that be uh, be yeah. pretty crazy actually be pretty crazy uh very brief side note since we're talking a little bit about the adjunct we've talked about this before i'm not going to belabor the point but this seems like a perfect example of an instance where we don't need wine we just need water she gets back mm -hmm. from this fight where she almost dies and She's like clearly looking bad, and Juek Juek One Arm is like, "You're looking very tired, and like you're having a hard time. Would you like some wine?" <laughs> no, no, no. Like I don't want a Tylenol PM Cabernet right now. Thank you. I would love some water. I've got business to take care of. Don't right. give me wine. It's the. It's definitely not. I want to chug something. 
Get me an original Four loco if you're going to get me something alcoholic. Because, like, I'm trying to stay on my job here. I need some energy. So <clears throat> she gets she gets a little bit of wine. And they organize they organize a dinner, Luke. And they're figuring out who they're going to invite. And the adjunct is like, we need to talk to the person who saw the dog who was like there. Who was that? And he's like, oh, that was Tattersail. She's like, why do I know that name? Tattersail, Tattersail. And then she figures it out and she's like, oh, definitely invite Tattersail. Yep, we want Tattersail. And Tattersail shows up and they have this conversation before anybody starts dinner about the war crime Tattersail committed and how it directly resulted in the deaths of the adjunct's family. And everybody else at the table is like, oh uh-oh uh-oh that's is that why you invited tattersail to this whole thing how how do you go back to having a nice dinner when you just had this conversation about one of the people sitting at the table committing a bad bad war crime like very bad and the other one being pissed about it i get between the two of them it's kind of resolved because the adjunct like goes into her like she puts up her guard and just like acts as the queen or acts as the empress's representative. But I'm talking about the other people at that table. Tayshren, Talk the Younger, One Arm. How are they just going about their meal being like, eh, just a little light, a little light war crime. Nothing, nothing too bad. Right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough meeting there. Okay. So like you said, there's the moment where the adjunct, like proves that she's a sociopath and like overcomes it for and like shuts off her other personality. Yeah. That aside, I will say it seems like most of the people in this room are capable of or have already done war crimes. <laughs> That's so the- maybe they're like <laughs> maybe they're like, yeah, we've all got a few. Oh, only one? And you you felt bad about it? Ah. All right. Like, the Black Marev just walked into this city that you're currently in, like, a few days ago and murdered 18,372 people. So. Yeah. Maybe they're, maybe it's, like, old news. I guess. But if that's the case, I don't know, man. These people. <laughs> I, Part of me thinks that they're in their, like, on Tattersail's side, <laughs> which would be wild, where they're like, chill, adjunct, just chill. This happens every day. <laughs> I mean, they kind of do, right? They kind of all right. come up and are like, yeah, if we had to arrest everybody who'd done a war crime, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm looking around this table and seeing a lot of people who'd go to prison. So maybe just chill, adjunct. And in that case, maybe then it's a game of like, who is the worst at the table, right? I feel like they should have then gone into that conversation of like, all right, since we're all doing it, let's talk about our worst war crime. Tayshren, you start. Yeah, everybody gets one story. Tayshren, I saw that you just murdered half our half our army. Maybe start with that one. Um I would have liked to see that. I feel like that's the way to come back from that. That's the way for the dinner party to like continue normally is to go around the table and just have everybody share their worst war crime so that they all know it's like equal company. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Make everyone a little bit more comfortable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, another. Uh, okay. This is like the tiniest note, but it bothered me so much. Crocus is in a bar and he puts his coins on the table and within those coins he also happens to bring out a pawn's coin. Mm-hmm. This is in my mind it's like almost as bad as when Frodo is at the prancing pony and the ring just like happens to fly out of his pocket. Like mm-hmm. obviously it's a little different because Crocus doesn't really realize how important it is. It's just like a lucky coin. But if you have a lucky coin why is it in your pocket with all your just regular money? Right, you got to keep your, se- your like keep your coins separate for one thing. 
I have to, uh, okay, two notes actually. Keep your coins separate and don't just like spill them out onto the counter. Crocus is over here like, oh, like I got a drink. Here's all of the coins that I have. Let me sort through them. Here's 30 dimes on the counter. Now I just got to count these out for what this drink cost. It's absurd. It's absurd. I, okay. Sure. Maybe, maybe a pawn has a hand in this and like, you know, just like the Frodo in the ring, maybe it kind of has a mind of its own. It's like, it's popping out in an inopportune time or an opportune time. Sure. Maybe. It just sucks. It's just like, oh, you've got to feel so embarrassed about that, Crocus. You do. It's To your point, it's wild not to keep your lucky coin in a separate pocket. That's crazy. Or like a special, maybe you put it in your shoe. Just a special spot where you're not going to mistake it for a, just a coin that you're going to spend. Right. Because Crocus for sure has little sneaky pockets. He's you a, know what I mean? He's a thief. Are you kidding me? Right. And he's got a little pocket sewn into his sock. That this would be perfect for the other reason why this is absurd is he's a he's a professional thief who's really good at pickpocketing people but he he is literally unable to pickpocket himself in this instance the easiest <laughs> arguably the easiest person to pickpocket okay okay so now okay but let's take this since we're saying how ridiculous it is let's take this to something that you just said which is that opon did it on purpose mm-hmm. and i love this now because we know that Opan and the Shadow, Shadow Throne are in conflict. And we know that Sorry is like Shadow Throne's minion. Yeah, like the rope embodies Sorry. Right. Is this just shit talking from Opan? I feel like it might be now. Yeah. I feel like Opan is just kind of like, this is a Yo Mama joke. That Opan has just thrown down at Sari. And Sari, I'm going to say this, Sari's response, nothing. No response. Yeah. 1-0, Opan, I think. Big, yeah, big win. Opan's definitely in Sari's head, for sure. Uh, like, literally. Like, we heard we heard Sari just getting real psyched up about it afterwards. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. The Okay, the 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 last part in Darujistan that we saw is this little this little battle and i don't normally feel bad for demons but this one had a tough go of it and was like surprisingly noble for a demon we got to get a different name for this guy crick ben like throws him out protect our backs and the demon's like, do you see that that buff guy with the big sword? He's probably going to kill me. You know that, right? Don't worry. I got your back. I got your back. Right. Like, good stuff, buddy. Right. This is crazy. Right. It gave me a vibe that they're less like demons and more like Pokemon that could talk and can can say more than just like their name. Like, it's like Quick Ben throws out a Pokeball and is like, Pikachu, Give up your life to save me from that creature. And Pikachu's like, yes, well, uh, I guess all of us creatures must one day go to the great beyond and die. <laughs> and for you, Ash Ketchum, I will sacrifice myself so that you may continue your life. Think of me in your dark hours that I may continue <laughs> in my memory. And Ash is like, okay, bye. I gotta go. <laughs> like, Demon is such a rude name for these creatures at this point. Right. There's too much baggage with demon. These things seem cool. He, he says, the demon says his name. I for, I think it's like Pearl or something like mm-hmm. that. It's Pearl, yeah. And you know this demon is like, guys, I'm a very sentient, like pretty nice guy. Can you please stop calling me demon? It's Pearl. I oh, have a name. I don't call you human. <laughs> also, one okay, one last note about this. We've talked about how we don't get like a power comparison. Quickbin tries to give us one for this demon by saying that they can like level a city. I I still don't know what that means. I like on a scale like can quick I feel like Quickbin can level a city almost. Right. Well, th- I don't know. It doesn't is, really tell me a lot. This is the challenge here is because like 
these cities all have magic people in them. So, like, is he saying if there were no powerful wizards in the city, this demon could destroy all the regular scrubs? Or is he saying, like, yeah, this demon in a normal city with their normal level of magic could destroy everyone? It's, yeah, there's still not a great sense of power. I do think we get a sense of Rake's power a little bit more with how quickly he's able to dispatch it, regardless of which kind of a city we're talking about they can level. Right. So I I think it's doing a pretty good job of telling us how terrifying Rake is. The other thing that's telling us how terrifying Rake is, or particularly his sword, is at the very end of this section where he's like, hey, did you get me the heads of those mages? And Baruch is like, yeah, I did. It wasn't hard. I just had to tell him. If I if they didn't give me their heads, you would come with your big scary sword. And I ha- yeah, okay. I have a question though. Do they know specifically what happens with the sword? I think they do. I think okay. they might because they were like in his like he hired them essentially, right? He was on their side, mm, and I imagine true. they got close enough, or maybe he told them he was like, "Hey, now check out this sword. Do you hear the screams coming from the sword?" Yeah, I I don't think I really need to say much more, but you don't want me to touch you with this. Right, because if I don't know, and someone's like, hey, either I can cut your head off, or that badass dude with the gigantic sword can. If I don't know that the sword is going to like enslave my soul, or whatever it does, I feel like there's an argument for the big badass guy. Because then it would be cool. Yeah, well, it'd be way cooler, and it make you seem more badass, because mm-hmm. like it took that guy with the huge sword and the mane of hair to kill me, rather than like, yeah, I just walked up to a weird wooden box and like a, a knife came down on my head and fell right. into a basket. Ah, shoot, not nearly as cool as big sword guy. The one thing, and I don't remember exactly how this works, the sword. I am curious if we're using this, like, energy source for something. Like, oh, we're sure we're enslaving people. Are we, are, are we converting that energy into some kind of renewable power source for mm. something? Because it sounds like there's chains and wheels. Like, somebody's turning some gears somewhere. When right. I enslave we're somebody, some we're getting some work done. When I enslave somebody, does it, like, power my iphone or something right like how many kilowatt hours is one additional soul right my sword gonna generate right and when i get a demon am i hype because it's like sick now i can charge my new ford that's all battery powered overnight and i don't have to i don't have to go down to my buddy's house to get it charged up I would think so. I would think that this the sword itself is maybe getting a little extra power per soul. Mm-hmm. And like at this point, it's like on the margins because it's such an, I assume, old one with a bunch of guys in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Percentage wise, you're not adding very much to it by getting more. That's fair. That's fair. Although you do have to start to wonder when Rake is like looking at the whole city and like looking at his sword what he's thinking about when he's like yeah yeah i'll protect your city yeah sure no problem the sword oh don't worry about it it's cool (laughs) how many how many people did you say live in the city oh seven million hmm they are they mostly like strong they all have How, how many can carry a wagon they all have souls right most of them okay yeah yeah that's cool that's cool Good. That's awesome. Really cool of you to let good me for keep you, those. Good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, Rake. Rake seems like he's got, he's got a little bit of a dark side to him, uh, as demonstrated by being like the Prince of Darkness. But I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's the good guy. Uh, I don't know if we get many good guys in here, Luke. I don't know. I don't know if there are many good guys that we've met so far. The, right, okay, probably not. One of the characters, though, that I think is contending for good guy status, Tattersail. Mm. 
Okay. I want to talk to you about what Tattersail did in this section. So she is like having this confrontation with this big tall wizard. And she's like, you need to let me go. And he's like, Tayshren said I can't. And then she's like, let's just talk. They talk for a little bit. And then he's like, okay, talking's over. Time to go. And she's like, I get that. Listen, I get that. But what I'm going to do is transfer my soul to the dead body parts of your ex-lover because I don't want to go with you. I've only seen this soul transfer thing happen once. And I've thought about it in theory. I'm willing to stake my whole deal on it right now and transmit it into these bones in this burlap bag. My whole being, I'm going to bet on this. Not not like, oh, sure, let's go. And then maybe I can escape at some point and just run away. Mm -hmm. Like, did we go too far? Does Tattersail go like too far too quickly? Does she go? Does she take it to eleven too quickly? I I would say so. I'm not sure what. Like, okay, so let's say that she goes with him because if she if she fights him, they like both die, like we saw, mm-hmm. because they can't open their wards. If she goes with him, one maybe you can escape. Mm-hmm. Two. You get back, and like you really, she didn't really do anything that wrong, right? She like left, right, to go to the. I, I kind of forget the reasons that she left, but I feel like it's like, eh, I mean that was kind of bad. I don't love that you did that. You're gonna be on, uh, cleaning up poop duty for two weeks. Right, you throw him on probation. Yeah, but all okay. She's like 230 years old. Like I'm not gonna put her on the chopping block for like leaving early and she's also like incredibly powerful right right now i will say that Tayshren seems to be trying to kill a bunch of people because they're potentially against him so maybe the threat is that Tayshren is just gonna murder her when she shows up but i just feel like my chances are so much better not trying this magic that i've never tested before on a corpse like with my immortal soul in this like gamble <laughs> to to stay maybe alive. she's been really wanting to try this out and it's like let's do it Did like th- you know when you when you've been thinking about making a big purchase for a really long time and you're like ah can i afford the ps5 probably not and then one day you're you're just like hovering over the buy it now button and you finally click it well, and it like goes on sale, here. right? It goes on like 20% mm-hmm. off and you're like, that's a sign. That's a sign for me. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tattersail is looking at this bag of body parts and is like, well, it's right there. It seems to have worked out pretty well. It does. It does seem to have worked out pretty well. Well, actually, we don't know how it's turned out. You said that and I was totally willing to go along with you. Wrong wrong i think it's cool she she just got birthed as like a baby and we don't even know what what the deal is with that okay okay, okay. i did a little the this is a cool thing for kendall's gonna take us out of the show a little bit the little you hold down one of the words and instead of a dictionary it does a little x-ray and goes to the glossary oh interesting yeah yeah she is now a like sola token or something like that Uh which means which is like a shapeshifter. Oh. I mean, okay, that is very cool. So now she's can be like a uh whatever she wants basically. I guess but like okay. The only other example of a person that she has seen or heard of getting their soul moved to a different thing is Hairlock. Do we really want to risk that we're going to just be a, another Hairlock? Is that the chance that we're going to take? Right. She could just I go mean, crazy. <laughs> yeah, but Hairlock went crazy because he was in the Warrants of Chaos. Sure, maybe that's how you want to justify it, Luke. <laughs> sure, maybe you really want to buy the PS5 and your buddy that bought it 
and says there's not a lot of great games for it. He just doesn't have good taste. Right. Maybe. I'm for it. Plus, now now our cool elder god is helping out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He seems nice. Maybe. I don't know. He's having good chats with people. He does. Yeah, he does have very good chats. We'll give him that. All right. Yeah, we'll see where it goes with Tattersail. I just think it was way too hasty of her to jump into this corpse. I think you're right, though. She had to have been thinking about doing it long before it happened. And this was just the opportunity (laughs) she'd been waiting for. Honestly, she probably would have been like, oh, wait, you are going to let me go? Are you sure you don't want to try and take me back to Tayshren? Because like... Oh, he'd probably be mad. No, you're just going to let me go? Uh, What are you doing with that bag of body parts, by the way? (laughs) I mean, she saw the opportunity and took it. I'm for it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm for it, but I guess I'm not as against it. I still think it's wild, though. All right. Next week, we're going to be finishing up Gardens of the Moon. Pretty excited about that. I'll I'll go ahead and say this in advance. We are going to read the the second book after this, but we're going to take a 2-week break, a little summer, little summer vacation. So, 2 weeks off after this book and then we're going to be into into the second book. So yeah, finish up Gardens of the Moon this week and get ready cuz Luke and I'll be back next week with plenty of hot takes still being dumb nerds.